morning, everyone, and uh, I hope you've had a good week. It's, uh, I think we're, we're probably six weeks into this event, and we're probably four weeks in the way we're worshiping today. And uh, so it's, or five weeks, so it's, it's been unprecedented. And uh, I think we see our state opening up, but uh, you, you do see there's still a lot of trepidation, and I think for good concern. And so the cautions that we have going forward, I think, are merited, and that we need to uh, continue to focus on that for our physical well being. This morning, I wanted to uh, turn to the Old Testament, and I want to go to a prophet, Joel, and I want to look at what the prophet Joel, of a similar situation that's occurring at that time, that's occurring today. Now let me make it clear, I don't want anybody to, to have any uh, misconception. I have not talked to a prophet of God. I am not a prophet of God from the perspective that I know God's will and God has delivered something to me. So as we talk this morning, I cannot tell you that the COVID virus, COVID-19, is from the Lord. I am not saying that this morning. I do not want that to be misconstrued uh, in this presentation. But I do want to make a parallel of what we should be reflecting on as the people in Joel's day. Because I think there is some parallels. And do I think the Lord is punishing us? I don't know. I cannot answer that question. And nobody else can because the Lord only speaks to us through His Word today. But as he speaks and as we can look at old times, we can see other plagues and how he used that to get people to think. And that's what I want you to do today. And what you're going to see is there's a lot of similarities. A lot of similarities. But what God is calling, so I'm, I'm going to tell you that there's a plague of locusts. And God is calling His people back, His children of Israel. And He's asking them to change their hearts, to change from their sinful ways. And He's asking them to meditate and to think about what they've done. Now the interesting thing about Joel, Joel does not point out that you've committed this sin. He doesn't point out their sin. They know their sin. He doesn't say, you devoured widows. We can find that in different places. We can see that he did not, they did not take care of the needy. That's not, and so Joel brings out none of that. But he brings out that he sent a plague and that they needed to repent. Now as I go through this, I don't want anyone to, now this is something I will. We are a sinful nation. Do not 
whenever we think of homosexuality, sexual promiscuity, uh, how we're treating our children, generally as a nation, I'm not speaking to the people that are online and, and in this congregation. We all have our problems. Most of us are considered pretty good. But do we have an opportunity to reflect and to think about God's message and is there something we need to be doing? And I will tell you, I do, because I will tell you, as I've said before, I like being in control. But what has God came and taught us? You never were in control. You're not in control now. And you better be depending on me. And we'll see that in these passages. We'll see that in today's... Uh, in, in kind of trying to make some parallels here. So during Joel's time... Joel is telling them this plague of locusts is from God. Now that's the one thing I can't tell you. I cannot tell you whether COVID-19 is from God or whether it's a, from a laboratory in Wuhan or whether it's from a bat. Now you choose whatever you want to choose. I'm hoping there's people in our uh, scientific community that can tell where it came from. I think it does make a difference for some of us Americans. But at the end of the day, I, don't, I can't tell you. But I do know, is it, is it because man has fallen? I, I think that is, I think we can say that. So Joel comes up and he says uh, in verse 1, the word of the Lord came, that come to Joel, the son of Bethuel. So this is the word of the Lord that came to Joel. So this is, the prophet is saying, this is from the Lord. Verse 2, Hear this, O elders, and listen, all inhabitants of land. Has anything like this happened in your days or in your father's days? Tell your sons about it and let your sons tell their sons and their sons the next generation. I, I like that because I tell people today, we're going to be able to stand back and tell our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren you should have been here in 2020 with the big virus. Now that story hasn't been completed. That story has not been written. I'm hoping I'm not going to be telling them that we had this and this and this and a year later we had nothing. I hope our economy bounces back. But I can tell you this. It is going to be a story that we're all going to relate to. And we're going to tell our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. They're going to sit there and roll their eyes. Yeah, Grandpa, we understand. We're living it right now. Now, the interesting thing about this, I can ask all of you, where were you when the shuttle blew up? I can ask you where you were on 9-11. I ask you where you were on coronavirus. We don't have a moment in time. We have a process. We have days. 
It's probably whenever we're all going to say, we learned how to do video chat. We learned how to start t speaking to people over video. So I just want to let y'all know that, that I, you know, we've, uh, my sister-in-law invited us to supper last night. And we had supper together and we played cards together. And Santa and I was, make, was able to make it back and be in bed by 10. And they made it back and was in bed by 9 in Memphis. The point is, we were on video chat. And it was interesting. But those are the type of things we're going to tell our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. This is whenever we learn to do this. If the Lord allows us to keep that technology. So going on down, so this is a major event in Israel's history. Verse 4, what the gnawing, it, it is telling what's the major event. What the gnawing locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust has left, the creeping locust has eaten. And what the creeping locust has left, the stripping locust has eaten. Um, so this is whenever an army of locusts come in and wipe out the food supply. Wipes out the grapevines. Wipes out everything. And so he tells him this is a major event. Verse 5. Awake, drunkards, and weep. So number one, do we need a wake-up call? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't need a wake-up call. I think we all need a wake-up call. We all need to get back to basics. You know, the, the blessing that I see out of this in our little community, I see children out riding bicycles in our neighborhood now. I see mom and dad walking with the children. I see mom and dad pulling the children. I see families interacting like families. But he says, awake Drunkards, and what is a drunkard? A drunkard is someone that's focused on themselves. And so I think this is so. This is probably the closest you get to the sin, but it's it's it doesn't tell you their sins, but he he describes them probably self-consuming. And he says, and we and well, all you wine drinkers, on the account of the sweet wine that is cut off from your mouth. And so the wine is left. The niceties of society is gone. And here's an interesting thing that I thought was very interesting in Joel. Joel 9, verse 9, 1 and 9. Joel 1, verse 9. That as this plague came, it affected their worship to God. The grain offering, the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn the ministers of the Lord. I think that's a very interesting parallel. Because we can't necessarily bring our offering. And I think our offering is how we act and how we conduct ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis. That's, that's part of our Christian walk. But I think it's interesting that the Lord brought a plague that He knew would infect, impact, their worship to him. And I think it's, it's a way for him to wave. Going on down to verse 13, gird yourselves with sackcloth 
Lament, O priest, and well, O ministers of the altar. Come spend the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God, for the grain offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of God. He's telling the priest that you should be sorrowful for what's going on. In verse 14, he says, Consecrate a fast. Proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the elders, all the inhabitants of the land, the house of the Lord your God, and cry to the Lord. Bring people together. Let us have a nation of repentance. Think about what you've done wrong. And he's telling the priest to do this. Now the interesting thing is he takes a sidestep here in verse 15. Because what he says here is at last for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and it will come as destruction from the Almighty. Now what I believe this passage is saying, if you don't come together and repent, I'm really going to destroy you. I'm really going to do something to you. Now, in chapter 2, the first part of chapter 2, he's describing that. Now, I didn't talk, I usually talk about timeline. Let me, let me back up here a little bit. We're not totally sure where Joel is. There's not enough information in Joel for us to say, this is the time. Some people put it around 850. Some people put it uh, later, closer to Christ. But the point is, is he's calling for repentance. And he says, if you don't repent, I will send destruction. We know that 150 years after this, he destroyed the northern kingdom. And then 250 years after this, he destroyed the southern kingdom. But at this point, we find that they repent. They do repent. They do come back. But that, he's saying, if you don't do it with this small locust, I'll deal with you on a greater level. Now, whenever I think about America, I just want you to just look at all the things that we do as a nation that is against the Lord's, the Lord's will. It is... It is, so, is God calling us back? Is he calling the world back? I don't know, and nobody else knows. But it's a good parallel for us to think about. <clears throat> Verse 17. Verse 17, he actually talks about the seeds shrivel under their clods, the storehouses are desolate. The barns are torn down for the grain is dried up. Now, if you are a Christian, if you are in this time, they stored their wealth in barns. They stored their wealth uh, in seeds. It was an agricultural community. The parallel I would make here what is your 401k? 
What is our stock market? Where's our wealth? And I think this kind of just, this is another one of those things. Are we looking at our, our, at our wealth? Are we looking at our retirements? If you are, guess what? I have too. I'm not going to tell you that. But what should we be focused on? And he's calling us to be focused on repentance and on the Lord. That's what he's calling us to. And so it, a lot of parallels here. Lots of parallels. Verses 18 through 20. Because of our sins do innocent things, people suffer. And I think in verses 18, how the beasts groan, how the herds of cattle wander aimlessly because there is no pasture for them, even the flocks of the sheep suffer. To you, O Lord, I cry for fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness and the flame has burned up all the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pant for you, for the water brooks are dried up, and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Here, whenever God sends things to bring people back to him, innocent, innocent people suffer too. Innocent things suffer. The animals didn't have anything to do with this. But they're suffering. And I think we can see that. You can be one of the most righteous people and the coronavirus is not going to, uh, you know, unless the Lord steps in and, and, and has his way. But the point is, innocent people die. Now, we're skipping over Joel, the second chapter, because remember back in verse 15, I talked about a major destruction coming. I think he describes that. And he's trying to get people to repent because what he does, he emphasizes there about, I'm going to bring more judgment on you. But let's start in verse 12 because this is, this, is this is what we, you and I, need to be acting on. Verse 12, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Let's read verse 13 also. And rid your heart, not your garments. Now return to the Lord, for he is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. Do you see in the Old Testament they had to do all these sacrifices? He didn't ask for that to begin with. God knows He needs our heart. He wants our hearts and He wants our minds. Because if we have, if He has our hearts and minds, all else follows. There's nothing left. That's what we have to provide to our Lord. Do we, in our life, as we go through life, do we consider what the Lord wants in everything we do? In everything we do, do we consider God's Word? 
Because that's whenever we can start saying, where's my heart? <laughs> or do we say, that'll help my 401k, even though it's wrong. God wants our heart. Are we serving God with everything we have? He's calling the people of Joel's time back. Return to me. Now, I think it's always, I always love to point this out because in all the prophecies, we read in verse 13, the last part there, and he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. We serve a God that is not revengeful. If we repent. Because remember, he sent this locust. And then in 115, he says, if you don't repent, I'm going to deal even harsher with you. And he tells us that in the, in the first 10 verses or 12 verses of chapter 2. But if you repent, I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to turn from my, uh, his thoughts towards us. Verse 14, who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave blessings behind him, even a grain offering and drink offering for the Lord your God. Whenever I repent and I tell somebody I'm sorry, I usually don't go get more stuff and give to them. But notice what God said here. If you will repent, God will, will forgive you. And not only is he going to forgive you, he's going to bless you with more stuff. Verse 16. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing infants, let the bridegroom come to, uh, out of his room and the bridegroom uh, out of the bride out of her bridal. It's basically everybody needs to come. And this is of the children of Israel. He's saying everybody needs to repent. Let the priests and the Lord's ministers weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your inheritance a reproach by a byword among the nations. Why should they among the people say, Where is their God? He's asking them, Bring the assembly together and let the priest pray for you. Beg for your forgiveness. Verse 18, what we want to hear is then the Lord will be zealous for his land and will have pity on his people. Our God is a forgiving God. He just asked us to come to him. Because once we come, he's going to meet us with opening, open arms. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I am going to send you grain, new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied and full with them. And I will never again make you a reproach among the nations. Verse 23, So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the Lord your God. For he has given you early rain and vindication for your vindication and has poured down for you the rain. He's brought the blessings back. Verse 25 of 2. 
chapter 2. Then I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the gnawing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat and satisfied. I will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dwelt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame. Thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that the Lord your God, there is no other, and my people there is no, uh, never will be will never be put to shame. So number one, he's going to not only return them to their greatness, he's going to bless them with more. So in today, my 401k might get back up where it was. I might have a retirement. But what do I have to do? I have to come and repent. But that's what God's calling us to do. Always to be self-evaluated. And this lesson is good whether we have COVID-19 or whether we're just living on. But here, and I went ahead and read it and I wish I hadn't, but verse 27, I think this is one of the most important points. Thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel. We want to know that God is with us. He is in our midst. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? We thought, we think, we're in control. But are we in control? God's in control. You know, I was sitting there thinking the other day, uh, this whatever this was, and I, and I didn't follow this, the uh, news media too close on this because uh, about this this uh, captain of this aircraft carrier that uh, they removed and all of that. But what I got out of that story was in the history of mankind, an aircraft carrier is an awesome projection of military might. We can move five, 6,000 personnel. We can project a thousand miles away from that aircraft carrier we can destroy cities and never touch the ground. What an awesome piece of power. And I thought about it I said, wow, the coronavirus could make that nail and void. It could, God could, could bring something. I, so let me repeat, I don't know if God brought this, don't, I, don't, I don't even want to insinuate that. But I'm just trying to point out, no matter how big, no matter what kind of technology we have, God is in control, not us. And it's how we serve Him is this person's belief on where we're going, whether we get to heaven and how we live on this earth. I don't think we're going to be Bill Gates if we're if we're the best Christian in the world. I don't think we're going to have Bill Gates wealth. I don't think God works that way. But I think we can have successful families. 
we can have a home in heaven. And that's what we're after. So as you look at Joel's time, there's a lot of parallels to today. Whether this is God calling us to repentance, I think there's enough here that each one of us should evaluate our lives. We should go through and evaluate what we've done. What we've said to people. What can we do better? Because we are going to look back 20 years from now. And we're going to tell our great-grandkids or our grandchildren, you should have been here in 2020. Whatever we figured out, we didn't have control. That's the lesson. I hope it was profitable. Joel's got some, uh, the, the third chapter of Joel is, is uh, about destruction on the nations around them, about them, um, them harassing the children of Israel. But God's called his people. God's always called his people. He sent his son to die so that we can have salvation. There's not a single person in this congregation, whether you're here or you're on video, there's not a single one of us that don't need each other's help. That's what we've got to do is help each other. We've got to encourage one another. We've got to repent of our sins and we've got to help each other get to heaven. God wants us. He developed us with a purpose. And our purpose is to serve Him. That's our number one purpose. Our second purpose is, purpose is to serve mankind and spread the gospel. So let's fulfill that. And if there's anyone here, we always leave the invitation at the end. And uh, please come as we stand and sing.